Rainwater with Designated Drummer Podcast, and I have with me today Becky Priest, a really good friend of mine. How's it going, Becky? Good, and not a drummer. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I, you know, I figured if I do this podcast long enough, I'm going to run out of drummers. You're going to run so out I of drummers. You're going to have interview- to start going yeah. to the, uh, the rest of the foundation instruments. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I kind of went, uh, I've had lawyers on here, like no entertainment way. attorneys. I've had sound engineers oh, and cool. guitar players yes. like Kim Mitchell from, you know, uh, oh from Canada has oh. been on there and his yes. drummer. So I've just had lots of You're of just variety spanning the whole people. gamut, yeah. aren't you, of the entertainment business? <laughs> this is a really cool, oh. So yeah, here we are in Columbia, Tennessee. You guys, uh, you and your boyfriend just moved to, uh, where's Fayetteville. it? Fayetteville, Fayetteville, Tennessee. It's about, an old house there. about 15 miles from the Huntsville, well, not Huntsville, from the Alabama line, actually. Yeah. yeah. Bought this house down there and it was, you know, uh, built in 1880. And uh, we're renovating the house, and it's going to be... 1880. I bet the building codes back in 1880 were slightly different than they are now. A little bit different. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit different. Uh, But uh, we're getting through all the poison ivy and all the stuff that we're having to to dig through to get this house renovated. I'm still getting over poison ivy. Cool. So we're in Columbia, Tennessee, at the library, the public library, because we wanted to sort of meet halfway somewhere. So we thought That was so nice of you to meet me halfway. Yeah, I met you halfway, definitely. Well, so Becky and I go way back. We... Uh, grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area playing in those bands and things like that. So yep. that's where I first met yep. you in like 89. I was playing with Canyon. Yes. And you gave me the biggest compliment. Before I go to that, I'm just going to talk about you've been with Trisha Yearwood. Oh. You've been with yeah. Neil McCoy. You've been with Laurie Morgan. And you've just played keyboard and sang backups and that kind mm-hmm. of thing for, for since 1993 i guess oh when God. i first started with trisha so many many moons have passed. many moons have passed many moons right. have mm. passed <laughs> but uh but yeah uh really really fortunate very blessed well so when i met you back in 1989 i was playing with canyon you gave me one of the biggest compliments i've ever well, had it was it still holds true you remember that yes you, i said you're one of the most dynamic drummers i've ever seen or heard you yeah. said something to the fact of like the way you play with such, I think you said authority or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, with and power it was and authority. The power and the way you hit your cymbals and stuff. I think your cymbals were up high and you really <laughs> crashed a really cool. Oh, like, that that dude really knows what he's doing. He like, he puts a lot into what he's doing, and it makes it makes for the sound of the band. You know, it helps so. lead the band. I think a little bit. Oh, with an aggressive drummer. Or yes, it gives the energy that powerful it needs. Drummer. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So I said, and you recognize that right away. And I think that something that you and I share is the ability to recognize these nuances from other musicians and, and what sort of their thing and what makes well, them we, great we uh musicians are emotional creatures so so we pick up on the emotion when people are really like when you're really into it. i mean yeah. you give 150 percent. you know it's we're like, sort of like when we hear somebody that's really good we're like jack black we're like <gasps> wait, 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 wait hold on wait, stop wait. listen wait what was that focus yeah, focus yeah, squirrel exactly Exactly. that's exactly it it's squirrel yeah Mm -hmm. when we hear a really good talented musician both of us we're like squirrel yeah Yeah. exactly wait what did i just hear you know (laughs) hold the hold the phone yeah i want to sit and listen to this for a long time but anyway yeah so and that was true it it holds true to today you're just as as great then if not better than you were were then and you're as as good a friend too so yeah so we've remained friends for a long time we worked on a couple projects together yes and you know i know that whenever you would go through some hard times you would we would talk on the phone, and mm-hmm. I would sort of encourage you a little bit. A lot of hard times in the music business. <laughs> Especially when COVID's going on. Oh, during stuff. COVID, and yes. Lord, that just about killed us all. Yeah. You know, I mean, not literally, but, but <laughs> it killed our, killed yeah. our uh, careers, you know, in, in, yeah. Yeah, for... 
But things are coming back now, and things are good. They are. Things are better. You're with Lori Morgan now. I am with Lori. She is just the best. She is so much fun. She cares about her band and and her crew so much, and she's been an Opry member since she was like 24 years old. So she has this love for the Grand Ole Opry just like I do. And so getting – that's why I – when I say if I can walk in the back door of the Grand Ole Opry and anybody – Anybody it could be the janitor if knows my name or I said that's my Grammy. If I don't ever get a Grammy, if I can walk in the back door of the Grand Ole Opry and somebody says, "Hey Becky," I'm gonna go. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank somebody you. remembers I'm done. me. I can retire now. I'm happy. <laughs> I can retire. <laughs> you go to my house in Fayetteville. No. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So Laura Morgan, I wanted to ask you about playing with Laura Morgan. So sure. she's yeah. a really great singer and all yeah. that. And what is it like to sing harmonies and stuff like that with her? You know, you know Laura's got a female very, harmony. Laura's got a very low register low voice and uh, so I, it's I you know we have one other girl that sings uh, harmony some of the higher harmonies and so I, I hit most of the lower things and then of course Randy Smith who's a great bass player in his own right and in, in, in vocalist and stuff he, he's also singing harmony so we've it's like everybody in the band she loves to have everybody in the band sing matter of fact something really cool that just happened this last uh, time this last week when we played the Grand Ole Opry uh, it's never happened before with any other artists that I've worked with but Lori we did three songs like you normally do and the last song was what one of the songs that we do for an encore for Lori and that's um are you lonesome tonight you know the uh, okay the Elvis song and we do an acapella version somewhat acapella we have Todd Woolsey our band leader on acoustic guitar he plays acoustic guitar and we all sing like the Jordan Air harmonies behind Lori on this song and it was our our kind of finale song for the Opry. And, but we, she allowed us all to come up to the edge of the stage. I mean, my my edge of my stool was in the circle. It was like... And this was planned so they had microphones for everybody. And we had microphones kind of for everyone. And, I mean, that was that was really a moment to get wow. to do that. Because, you know, usually you're back in the back, you're on the piano, you're sitting down, and nobody really knows what's going on. But but she allowed us to come up front. And I thought, man, that's really cool. What was really the audience cool reaction like? Was oh, it, like? Was, it was a sold-out crowd that night. And, uh, yeah. It, it went they loved it uh, they, yeah we got a few standing ovations here and there for oh, I it. Love so that. it don't so you just it, live for that you do you really do uh especially on that stage it's really important i think it makes up for all the long i mean of course you get paid to, for your work and all that but it, no, you it, get to, paid to travel you get paid to you travel get paid to travel and then but when you get the up show there to play, is free <laughs> Right. Yeah. You get up there and play that totally. show, and that's—I mean—that's what you're going for—is to get up on that stage for what the 90 minutes that you that you get to do what you've always loved to do. It just comes so easily, you know. Yeah. You don't even think about it, really. It's the traveling and being gone, and the sacrifices right. that you make with your family and stuff. That's what you get paid yeah. for, and the payback—the the, the pay for it—is that audience that that what people yeah, that really, really appreciate, appreciate what you do. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's like currency for me. Yeah. When I see that, okay, exactly. yeah, well, they must like what we're doing, or I must be doing the right thing. Yep. I must be here for a reason. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so, um, so I want to talk about your beginnings and how you started out. Like you grew up in yeah. Texas. Like grew up in a I very did. small town in the what we call the heart of Texas, uh, just north of Waco, Texas. There's a little town called Hubbard, like Old Mother Hubbard, right. and Hubbard, uh, Texas. Hubbard, Texas. About 1,600 people. Uh, I grew up there. My dad was a chiropractor. My mother was a uh, director of nurses at the nursing home there. Uh, and uh, had uh, an older sister, about 17 months older than me, Roycelyn, and uh, we both sang and played uh, in church. You know, I think I was the church pianist in my hometown when I was nine wow. years old. So I was playing hymns in the church, you know, at nine, and uh, playing for my family. We'd sing in church and stuff. And then I guess my first paying gig, quote, paying gig, 
was uh, I, well, I guess I should go back a little bit. I started playing when I was three. Uh, three. Three years old. Just three I just old. yeah. I, one day I jumped up on the piano. I didn't jump. I crawled up on the piano, and <laughs> you know, it was dangerous. And uh, mother said though she remembered the first thing me playing was something I had heard on television, like a commercial or something. And I was picking it out. Of course, and then I picked out. Uh, oh, let's see if we can get this to work. We have a piano here. Yeah, that you was did like that the, at three? That was it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, I was like, I felt bad. I couldn't do more than that at that point. <laughs> yeah, this was this was on the hit list when I was three years old. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> but but so, no, I, I learned. So my sister, Roycelyn, was taking piano and uh, at age of five. Of course, we're five and four and three. So she started taking it at five. And I started taking at six years old at wow. first grade. And it took all the way through high school. Uh, and then I went on a uh, Van Cliburn audition at Baylor University in Waco. And uh, I won like fourth out of 16 people from all across the, the nation. I won fourth, which is honorable mention, first honorable mention. And that got me a year free to go to Baylor wow. University. So I kind of continued on the whole, you know, the concertos and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, this just with this accent, I just don't think I'm going <laughs> to, I just don't think I'm going to meld real well with these folks, <laughs> you know. But growing up, like I said, with my dad was a chiropractor. He's where I got all my musicality from. He's a great uh, bass singer. I even made a record on the Sword and Shield label with a, a gospel group, a Southern gospel group out of San Antonio, and uh, and he was a great guitar player and he played piano all by ear. So I got all of that from my dad and Royce Reeves. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's kind of how I started. First paying gig was at Shakey's Pizza Parlor in Waco, Texas. Wow. Big twenty five dollars a night. Twenty five dollars. Yeah, a I night. had to get a social wow. security card because of that. Righteous bucks. Woo! Man, righteous. To play music, I'm like what? <laughs> to play like. Uh, Ah, the maple leaf rag. Yeah, because it yeah. was you know they wanted that kind of kind of music there. So when I was and twelve you years were 12? old, I was twelve and, and playing going, maple leaf rag. Wait, she's twelve years old and she's playing that. Playing Holy some crud. Scott Joplin for y'all tonight. Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. much all I did. I, they just called me up for Scott Joplin. Thank you. Here's my twenty five dollars and my pizza. See ya. Right. And my pizza. Oh, and plus pizza. Plus wow, pizza. wow. Oh, what that's a another gig. ten dollars or well and I'm back still then. Getting probably. pizza on the road. What is that? <laughs> a lifetime of pizza. Lifetime right? of pizza. Yes. Wow. So now one thing that I've always been fascinated about and with you and all that is that you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Is that you have perfect pitch. Yeah. And yeah. now what a lot of people don't know, and, and when people say, oh, perfect pitch, there's relative pitch and there's perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. And you have perfect pitch. And can you explain to us what the difference is between relative pitch and perfect pitch? I mean, I know. Uh, but Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting enough, finding this out, I mean, being from a small town, I had uh, music teachers from towns that were even smaller than Hubbard, like 300 population or something but this sweet lady named uh miss childry uh she was my 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 music teacher when i was in high school and i was a freshman in high school i'm i was like 13 or 14 years old at this point i've been playing for 10 years and you know my dad was you know learned to play by ear and he was musical and nobody had ever mentioned perfect pitch i'd never heard that term and i don't know i crossed the room to get something out of my music satchel while miss childry was sitting on the piano events and i said she started playing something going like oh no 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 it's in a flat or whatever and she went she just turned around and looked at me like oh becky you've got perfect pitch and i'm going like i what she said you've got perfect pitch and i went 
What do you mean? And you said, I don't play baseball. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I don't play but a bump cheap. Bucket of fish. But, <laughs> but I said, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She says, well, you know what this note is. And I said, well, of course I do. You're a music teacher. You've Doesn't heard it everybody? for 40 years, right. don't you? Right. I don't understand. She said, well, wait a minute. Turn your back and look at the other side of the room. And she says, I'm going to play some notes here and there. You know, she's like. She's all over the place, and I'm just naming the notes left and right, and she's going, I can't believe I said, well, can't you do that? I said, isn't that the way you hear? I said, how do you play music if you can't hear the note? It didn't yeah. make sense to me, you know? So you thought it was normal. I thought every musician heard that way. I literally yeah. did it. It was like, whoa, you know? But I didn't real. I mean, when I got into Baylor, the, I, I was in the acapella choir. Dr. Johnson was the conductor there of the acapella choir. And I accompanied them, and I also sang alto in the choir. But when he found out that I had perfect pitch, he said something about me having something called absolute pitch. Now, I don't even oh, know. No, I haven't heard that. I don't even know. Really, I didn't really gather you know, information on that, but I just went with what he said. And he made me the pitch pop, as they call it, of the a cappella choir. And he would position me in the middle of the choir, you know, Waco, uh, Waco Hall stage. And yeah. he positioned me in the choir around everybody and we'd he would start the song he would look at me and nod and then I would give the pitch to people and just kind of hum it you're like ooh like that yeah. you know and they they would kind of fan out for me okay. and everybody was like oh wow I didn't hear a pitch because otherwise you'd have to have an instrument you'd have an instrument or what they call a pitch pot that you actually blow into you were the pitch pot I was matter of fact I had the I had the t-shirt people that says pitch pipe on the back I still human have it pitch pipe. I wow. was a human pitch pot but but yeah so I've you know it was really weird to me that other musicians didn't hear that way and it's it's still kind of weird I just just I hear differently okay I'm going to put you to the test okay sing a b and then play a b on the piano see oh my god that just freaks me out Ta-da! and for my next trick i'm gonna pull a rabbit out of my hat i'm gonna pull out a b flat so yeah so i've always been just fascinated with that one and so you're are you saying that absolute pitch is above perfect pitch or is it below is it in the middle i would almost say somebody that would that i can think of that would have absolute pitch would be we were talking about it earlier gordon moat gordon moat is like unbelievable i mean you know yes he is he is blind but i tell you his his hearing is just like off the charts. So for those that don't know, Gordon Moat is oh. a Nashville session piano player. He's oh. blind. He's been mm-hmm. blind from birth. From birth, yeah. And his hearing is so good that I've heard stories that that Gordon Moat can listen to a song on the radio. Yeah. Or mastered and, you know, with all the reverbs and stuff like that and compression. He can listen to a song on the radio and tell you who played who's playing that piano what, what piano, piano it is, is what studio what it studio is and what room in. in the studio it's like i can't it's like phenomenal i mean that's just knowledge that i i just don't have you know that's of course i'm not in that yeah. world i'm not i don't do as much recording um as gordon uh, obviously as gordon does but still you know to have that kind of ear his is is above and he he could probably tell you how many cents sharp or flat things right. are i don't have that ability but i just know if i hear something like if it's in the crack i say it's in the crack it's if it's crack. not right not right on in the, the note in no, the crack like, in other words like in between like, the two piano like, notes there's a crack there there's that's, <laughs> this is what the crack sounds like for you people oh God. <laughs> it's, not, it's not pretty stay off it's, crack people stay off <laughs> don't do crack <laughs> so uh yeah i mean that is awesome so um 
uh, so you have perfect pitch, and you've just lived with that for all your life, as if like, yeah, it was just like, uh, doesn't I, everybody have? I, I really did. I thought everyone had, I, if you're a musician, it, it, it kind of blows my mind that some people can play as well as they play. And I'm going, well, how are they doing that if they don't know where they're going, if they don't don't hear it in their head before they, they get there? You know, I don't know. I, I I still, to this day, it's it's a God thing for sure. It is. Absolute yeah. God-given uh, gift, and I'm I'm just blessed to have it, I'll tell you. It's, wow, it's really So you went to Baylor, and then Baylor. You... Well, I went to Baylor for a year and a half. I went long enough to, uh, to become a member of the Mu Phi Epsilon uh, okay. uh, sorority, la-di-da, wow. and uh, long enough to get pinned, and the next month I wasn't even in college anymore. Uh, that's when I started playing in country bands in yeah. Outer Waco in a band called Leather and Lace, which was out of Temple, Texas, and uh, really a really good top 40 band, I must say. We played, what year would this have been? This yeah. would have been 1982. Two, three, something like that, okay. in there, and uh, started out as Leather and Lace, and uh, girl singer Natalie. She was a great singer, could sing all the pop, Pat, uh, Pat Benatar kind of stuff, wow. and Cindy Lauper, and just all the '80s stuff, you know, Madonna and and the uh, heart things from heart. But that's not a cunt. That's cunt, that's rock well. That stuff, was the yeah. thing we did top forty. Oh, and we, I For see. one okay. minute we might do like Pat Benatar, and then turn around. Her brother Jackie Watkins would sing um, and like Ronnie Millsap or Ronnie something. Ronnie Millsap or, or George Strait <laughs> or Ricky Skaggs, yeah, you know. And uh, and then we turn around and do you know something else country. We were just kind of all over the the map, and that that really kept us booked. And we made pretty good money back in the eighties, you know. But uh, that band kind of helped me, baby. It gave me confidence. And it helped baby step my way out of out of Waco, out of Temple, to Dallas, because we started playing in Dallas, and Dallas was like big time. Wow, that was the yeah, big right? city, right? That was a big city when you're from from Hubbard, Texas. I mean, we didn't even drive to Hubbard. That wasn't even, going to Waco to the Sonic was like, whoo! That, <laughs> that was, was the like, big city. That right? was the big city. You know, <laughs> if you went to Dallas, that was like going to the state fair or something. That's why wow. you went to Dallas. But uh, growing up, but no, I mean, getting into bands and in after Leather and Lace playing in Dallas and then I auditioned to uh, play in, to get in the house band for this giant three-level club they had turned to Win dixie grocery store into this giant three-level club I'm talking about uh, cowboys that's when I first met you that's, that's exactly that's, now it's, we're getting getting, getting, back closer. To, getting closer <laughs> and uh, I, I went in there and auditioned I just sat in and sang and I mean that band was kind of like I always said it was kind of like Noah's Ark there was two of everything up there and I was one of the uh, the other uh, key Keyboard players, Jeff Williams played great singer, uh, musician, a keyboard player. He was the other keyboard player, and the name of the band was Bobby Smith and the Country Blues. And Bobby sounded a whole lot like Ronnie Millsap. Of course, I remember and, him. Remember Ron? Yeah. He had the range. He of could Ronnie nail Millsap. Ronnie Millsap. He could definitely. I mean, I mean almost to artist. where when he sang other stuff, it didn't sound. It sounded like Ronnie Millsap singing. singing up, yeah, you know, and that may have been a, down, a downfall. I don't know, being that sounding so much like Ronnie, uh, but. But yeah, I, I did that uh, for several years, and that's of course how I met you. Yeah. And and there were so many bands. I mean, big big name people now, like Garth Brooks came through. Nobody knew who he was. You know, yeah. Alan Jackson came. I remember Alan Jackson coming through, and I'm thinking, oh no, not another Dwight Yoko, uh-huh. another yeah. blonde headed right. guy with tears in his 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 uh, jeans. You know, oh, it's another Dwight Yoko. Right. And then you know, I listening to his songs were so good, and the next thing I know, he never came back <laughs> because yeah. he went shot up. His record you know. started selling. Record, on the radio start, and, same wow. thing with Garth. Garth was there actually three nights in a row, and he came back a couple of times. His parents were there, Troy Al, his dad, wow. and his mother. And I'll never forget him walking the rail in cowboy boots right there in front of the stage. He'd walk that wooden rail about 
I don't know, two inches wide, wow. to get to his mother to hold her hand oh. to sing if tomorrow never comes. Wow. It was and the that's coolest after he'd already thing. made it and stuff like no, that? No, this, was, this oh. was after his only after his first single had come out. And right. after that, he, of course, he was so big, they couldn't afford him at that point to come back. Wow. But so many people like Trisha Yearwood, Pam Tillis, Patty, all the people that I ended up playing with pretty much. I mean, Pam Tillis and Patty Loveless and, and, you know, Vince Gill would come through, Leroy Parnell, uh, the Bellamy Canyon. Brothers. Uh, <laughs> Canyon. Uh, Canyon. <laughs> Canyon. Uh, yes. And um, I, I don't know, did Lone Star ever play there? I don't think yeah. you guys did. Uh, we you did. Guys we just did. Well, it, it was all. Texas E. We played oh, as Texas E a couple did. of times. Yeah. See, I remember you guys, when I first came to town in 1992, you were at the Days Inn, playing at the Days Inn. Right. And I was out doing what they call the, the Judy Martin co- uh, talent contest. And you would go in and set in, you know, with the band that's of the house band, or you could just, you know, sit down with an instrument if you played. And that's what I would do. I would just not play with the the, the band. i just go up there and play piano. And I kind of became known as that blonde girl that could play piano and sing. And that got me a demo with a guy named Brett Beavers. And I went into the studio with him, was Angelo Sound, if I remember correctly, in uh, Madison, Tennessee. And the guy that was producing, it was the producer on that particular session, first session was a guy named Johnny Garcia. And Johnny I'd never met before, uh, but he turned out to be Trisha Yearwood's lead guitar player and band leader and had been from the beginning and and johnny's like uh i don't know this becky priest girl i don't know we'll have to see if she's okay (laughs) yeah we're like and i'm like so i we we got we did this session and it went really good and johnny said wow he says you know our 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 keyboard player is about to leave to go with winona and said we're gonna have auditions for trisha pretty soon and would you like to come audition for trisha and i was like what? <laughs> Her name's Becky Priest. Oh, you had me a priest. <laughs> <laughs> you had me a priest. And so I went and auditioned against, it was like eight guys, eight guys and one girl. And it just so happened, I guess, that Trisha liked getting two for one. She got a backup singer and right. she got a keyboard player. And so I guess that's how I got the one How the long gig. were you with Trisha? I was with, well, it seemed like forever, but really it was just in, in a good way forever. But uh, because so many great, great things happened in three years, wow. you know, just three years from 93 to, nine, to 96. And man, I got to... Uh, but three years it. in the music business is a long time. I mean, really, you know, <laughs> it's you a lot of gigs it, and a lot of miles. Some people have had record deals, lost record deals, and gone into the bargain bin uh, in three years. Uh, or yes, in two amen. Years, yes, in I think year. I might be that person. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a tick. But uh, but yeah, but Trisha was awesome. It was, I mean, the she was just beginning to make her huge rise. I was, I came yeah. in at the end of the Hearts and Armor tour and right before she started uh, the song Remembers When. Yeah. And I got to play through all of that. And of course, David Letterman loved her. So we were on Letterman like seven times. What's your and, favorite thing to play from Trisha Yearwood? Oh. When you play piano? Um, Did, was there a favorite, was there a part in the time of the night that she was like, oh, here's my, here's the song. Oh, uh, well, the up. favorite thing would be, would have been the string intro that Mark waters actually the conductor mark waters came up well he uh rose um to bust a saint cloud but um but i uh, thought maybe it would have been the one that leanne rhymes sang to or whatever that intro to uh Joe, I don't remember the words to it because it's been so long. But um, and you kind of got the walk, away, Joe. The walk away, walk Joe. Walk away, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. walk away, Joe. But but 
it really was a piano player's gig. I remember when Steve Cox, who has the gig to this day now, Steve came up to me. He was playing with James House at the time. And he came up to me. He says, man, he says, you got my gig. I really want I really want that gig. And I'm going like, well, okay, maybe when I leave. And sure enough, man, he yeah. he, he, was he jumped there. in. He was waiting in the wings, and he's kept it ever since. <laughs> but, uh, but he's a great B3 player, uh, Steve Cox is. And he's also kind of the b3 player for garth now too oh, wow. yeah, right. so it led to that but yeah I, so many great things so many we did european tours i went to australia for the first time we played the white house um we played um albert hall in in london and just all that in three years all that in three yeah. it was like it's a uh, literally keach when i got the gig in april of 93 by may we were doing well i just the first i gotta tell you the story of going to play letterman you mind you, I'd never been to New York in my entire life. We flew to New York, and our road manager, being from Texas, he says, hey, the new girl, you know, she's never been to New York. We'll let her go and just sit backstage in the green room at Letterman. That'll be cool. So I got to go, you know. So I'm dressed in jeans, you know, and just a regular top and little black boot shoes. I don't go in. And we're just, we walk in, and the lady, you know, comes running up to us with her little clipboard, and she says, oh, did y'all bring your keyboard player? I went, yes, yes, I'm here. What? <laughs> Ta -ta -da, you know. And yeah, and she said, yes. She said, well, looks like uh, Letterman has changed his mind on the song that he wanted her to sing, and he wants her to sing a song called Down on My Knees. And Paul Schaefer hadn't learned the piano intro to it, and he was wondering if you brought your keyboard player. I'm going like, yes. Wow, talk about so, serendipity. Serendipity, total wow. serendipity. I mean, from a month of just playing Judy Martin contest, the next thing I know, I'm on, I'm on Letterman, and, and in New York, in the NBC building. I mean, you this couldn't was, write the movie script for that it's better. Crazy. It's crazy. Like, it oh, it's Paul Schaefer is another part. Is there a piano player is, in the is house? There a piano? Is there anybody? Anybody that can know play that the part. song? Yeah. <laughs> and what was? But what's so funny? Let me tell you, because Matt Rollins, every Matt Rollins is a phenomenal. Like Gordon Mote is another phenomenal keyboard player, uh, session player. Oh, yeah. And Matt was the one who had played it originally on uh, Down on My Knees on, I believe, on on the record. And so, <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, we do a quick little rehearsal, you know, and then I'm in the dressing room, and Paul Schaefer's you know, walking by, and he stops, and I'm the, I'm the only one in the dressing room, and he walks in, he looks at me, he goes, are you Matt Rollins? And I went, do I look like Matt Rollins? <laughs> no. Do I look like a Matt? And he said, yeah, well, anyways, uh, it was a really <laughs> odd exchange, because he thought, well, you know, that's the guy that's going to play it, because he played it on the record. I'm like, dude, I play it every night, so... <laughs> I'm yeah, be it. Totally. You know, so it was really, really cool. And but I, I did several times, like seven times with that. And we did Leno. We did we did all the major major TV shows and radio things. And with with Trisha, it was like an eye opening experience to go from just playing, you know, like at Cowboys or playing these little house bands and stuff like that to playing. Yeah. The White House thing happened in June, yeah. like, like two two months from getting the gig. So yeah. it was like. It's like country has come to town. Wow. <laughs> Literally. Now, one thing I remember about you when you were at Cowboys, that's one of those sort of the squirrel moment, you know, yeah, like yeah. squirrel, <laughs> is when you would sing a song. Because, you know, we would, we, I would go there sometimes on nights off and watch you guys and hang out and stuff because it was, I, I didn't live oh, far from there. Sneaky, so, I did not know you were there. Stalker. <laughs> stalker. No, um, but I would go there and just <laughs> hang out, meet friends and stuff like that. But especially when I was with Canyon and you guys yeah. would play in between and we'd do a couple of shows or something. Yeah, yeah. And every time you get up there to sing, now this is you just, Standing up on stage, singing by yourself with yeah. no 
you're just a singer at this point. Oh uh, yeah, I yeah. became a featured singer. You I kind of worked fe- my way that's up. Right. Yeah. The featured, you After were a, three there was years. a guy featured singer, and I think it was yeah. Woody Lee or somebody. Woody Lee. And there or, was also Dwayne Dwayne Phillips. Was Dwayne also, Phillips. Remember I'm, Dwayne? I'm, good, I'm friends with him. Singer. I've known him for a long great time. Great singer, guitar player. I forgot Loved that he him. was a featured guy. But anyway, yeah. when you got up there to sing as the featured singer, girl singer, um, when you sang anybody like Dolly, or if you sang. Um, Reba. I was Reba a big Reba thing. fan, yeah. You sound, you're like a chameleon. You sounded Aww. like whoever you wanted to sound like. And well, I was impressed with that. That was it. Well, thank you. That's awful sweet. But in in that setting, you know, and with the owners of the club, too, I mean, they kept up with everything that we sang. They had a readout of, of yeah. all the times we had sang these certain songs. And, okay, it's time for you to change the song and do this. This is a song that's really hot right now. You need right, to be doing this do song. So, so let me just put so, you on the spot here. Oh. A little bit, let's do one a line from a Reba song. Sing it for me. Oh, if you can. my gosh. Think about it. Like, does he love you or? Uh, oh, that's him? funny. You know, uh, I just, I'm going to prove something in, here in a second. Well, whoever's in New England's through with you. It's okay, so right there, you just sang it just like she would sing it. You did you <laughs> the nuances of Reba. You uh-huh. just inhabited your voice, hey. and you. I was I've been possessed by Reba. So, in other words, no. you didn't try to sing it like Becky, like like no, most people would kind of put their own well, spin on it. When you're you, in a house band and yeah. you're doing cover tunes, people want to hear a jukebox. They want to hear what they're used to hearing on the right. radio. So you try, you try your best yeah. to get get it. I mean, it's not that I guess I was trying, you know, but it was yeah. funny enough, uh there's a guy named Michael Visconti. Michael is a producer. He was uh I think he was like in, in one of the, the lead characters in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway. Right. Now, I don't know how this happened. It might have been a Rick McClure thing. Rick, uh, the drummer for Trisha, might have put my name out there for this to Michael. But Michael was looking for somebody that could sound like Reba. And the reason he was doing this is that, get this now, Lori, was it Lori? Yeah, Lori Morgan was on this uh, particular uh, show. It was like Country on Ice. <laughs> now, you remember Nancy okay. Kerrigan, right? Okay. Yeah, right. The whole Nancy yeah. Kerrigan debacle with her. But okay, before she got whacked in the knee, she was uh, she was uh, actually doing this Country on Ice thing, and she was singing. So she was uh, dancing, skating to a Reba song. Well, for some reason, I don't know why, they couldn't clear the song with Reba's people to put it on Country on Ice on television. So they had to recut the song. So same meter, same time, you know, so it matched up with their skating. So we recut the song. And I think it was Walk On, a song called Walk On. Yeah. And uh, so he said, yeah, I heard that you can sound like Reba. I said, well, yeah, I guess so. You How know? does Walk On go? It, can you uh, sing a little bit of it? Walk On. It's, it's been so long. Walk On. I think I remember. Walk On. Oh, I'm wrong. Walk On. I don't remember. stays gone that long. Uh, it's been like such, it's oh, Well, it's that was like 19, what was that, 1994 or five, probably when I did that. Wow. But talking about Reba, so isn't that weird? And and then later on, you know, she's one of the main female artists that I've always wanted to work for, haven't got to work for, never even got to meet her until I was working with uh, this crazy uh, uh, Texapino from uh, – Texas, uh, Neil McCoy, I was his band and keyboard Tex-a-pino. player. Texapino. Wow. And uh, he, we were playing, uh, let's see, um, what's his name? Blake, uh, Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert's wedding uh, reception. Okay. And we were playing that. You know, all these different, you know, country stars were there. Well, Reba was there. Kelly Clarkson is sitting next to Reba. Well, Neil said, you never met Reba, have you? Let me introduce you to her. So I was like, oh, my gosh, Reba. Wow. So he introduced me to Reba. And I talked to, say hi to Kelly. And at, so at the end of the night, when we finished our our show, 
Boy, that's when the karaoke started for the celebrities. Uh, okay, and everybody right. been drinking a little bit. It was pretty fun. And so Reba and Kelly Clarkson got up there and, and sang uh, uh, Take Take It Back, which was great. Wow. And I was just sitting there on the road case, being all forlorn, thinking, oh, I wish I could sing with Reba. Well, Neil knew that. And so he talked to Reba's road manager who was there. Next thing, I'm just listening to them. Again, another movie moment. I'm sitting there on this road case, and I feel somebody tap me on my shoulder, and it's Reba's road manager. And he says, hey, he says, I heard that you might w- want to sing a song with Reba. I said, do I? Do I? You know? So I got to sing Does He Love You. I got to sing Linda <gasps> Davis's part. part of it. Yeah, the yeah. duet. Wow. And then later on, I got to sing with Linda Davis when she came to the East Texas Angel Network concert. That Neil, It's Neil's charity that he does to help um, – kids in the east texas with life-threatening uh, illnesses and uh linda davis was one of the the artists that came on so i got to flip and sing reba's uh, part, part with linda yeah. yeah and i've done that a couple of different times with linda she's great when you sing reba i'm just telling you it's chilling it's scary <laughs> because so- you sound so much like her well, well i wanted like to be reba growing up i either wanted to, it's, it's a far it's a far cry from from one to the other but it was i either wanted to be reba or amy grant right right <laughs> yeah and i think it's your Attention to detail and your perfect pitch and all that, or your absolute pitch, whatever you want to call I don't it, even, whatever it's Dr. called. Dr. Johnson said that, you, not me. When you hear her vocal, you're recalling it like a digital recorder in your mind. You're singing all the little nuances, and you're remembering how those parts went, and you're yeah. able to do it. Yeah, you know? well, you know, funny, talking about uh, working with Lori, Lori's able to kind of do that, too. She's a great mimic. She's yeah. so funny. I know she, she can so do funny. Dolly Parton really well. She can do Dolly First Parton. First time I heard her, I thought, she sounds just like Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. And you know, and, and just talking, too, she she can sound exactly like her mother. Bless her, her mother's passed on now, but it's like her mother is still there. It's so oh, great wow. to hear her talk like her mom, uh, you know. But, but yeah, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate to get to play with all these different artists and stuff, and, and uh, girl bands and uh things of that nature and record deals that came and went yeah well uh, i know? want to talk about the girl bands for a little okay. bit so you were in um a little band called mustang sally for yeah. a while and that was in the mid 90s probably yeah actually that was the that after trisha right it was after let me think it was it's definitely after trisha and pam i was with pam tillis oh, after right. pam after, tillis. with pam tillis for three or four years that. and uh and then after that i was with uh a male artist uh, <laughs> for about eight months, and then I started this uh, with this this girl this girl band that had already been going for quite a while. A girl named Lisa Romeo had started this band called Mustang Sally. She was the drummer and owned the band. And uh, I came in. I th- thought, you know, I've been playing for all these artists. I want to be part of something. I yeah. want to be kind of like you. I want to be right. like a Lone Star. A I want to be a member of a band. Be on the cover. You want to yeah. be on the picture. Well, yeah, the cover of the Rolling Stone. <laughs> there you go. You know, but, you know, I wanted to be part of something. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I, I got in with the, and by that time, the girls were still loading their own trailer, you know, in a van down by the river. It and then was you're like, thinking like, okay, maybe I don't want to so do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. No. But, uh, but you know, you got to work your way up. You know, it was like starting over again, literally. And, uh, but, you know, we were, we had a couple of, um, of, of I, things to get into with a record deal. Our first record deal was with Virgin Records. Scott Hendricks was the uh, who was Blake Shelton's producer and the head of Warner Brothers now. Yeah, but right. at the time, he was the head of Virgin Records. And uh, we we signed with him. And then before we even really got started, Virgin Records closed their door. So it was like, <sighs> oh, you know. Dang. So there, that came and went really fast. But Scott was still interested in us, so he went and took us and recorded us at um, his, his studio out in Leaper's Fork. It was called Arrow Studios. And we went out there uh, with a different lead singer, 
a different girl lead singer for Mustang Sally, and uh, and that was that was going to be pitched to Curb Records. Well. There was there, there was there's so much that happened. I really don't want to have to get into, but that all just ended up tanking. Yeah. And uh, but three the three of us from Mustang Sally that 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 is the fiddle player Renee Truay and Debbie Johnson the bass player myself left Mustang Sally to start another all girl band, which ended up we had a few different names. Broadband was going to be the first. I, was, I don't broad really band. want to be known as a broad. <laughs> broadband. Um, and you know another <laughs> one was like uh, Pistol Pack and Mamas. And uh, I don't know about that name. And then we landed on the name Cowboy Crush. And there was five girls that came together, three of the girls from Mustang Sally. Uh, we found a lead singer and then a drummer, the drummer who's now playing with Mark Chestnut. Mm-hmm. Darla. Uh, Darla. You know Darla Perlesi. I've been trying to have her on my podcast for a while, but she's been so busy. Oh, she's like busy between with her studio and, and out with Mark and everything. But yeah, I'll have to put, I'll put a good word in because she, she yeah. needs to come do this. Just but <laughs> but you're right. You drummers need, it's a drummer's Tell podcast. You, you guys could speak the same language i love darla and i love her story and she's, I love her, she's, her. she's she's a, a tough little youngstown fast fast she's about five foot three and and tough as nails that's right she's really cool but uh but yeah we we got the record deal and and uh we we had a song called nobody ever died of a broken heart we'd had a really good video and it it like debuted so, yeah, at for those 17. of you that don't know look it up on youtube <laughs> yeah cowboy crush yeah. and what's the name of the song that y'all did the video for with the, the ambulance video was, and all that? was called nobody ever died of a broken heart nobody ever died of a broken, of a broken heart. heart it's heart. an awesome video it really is good. it really was fun uh i want to say trey fanjoy is that yeah that right, right? Trey yeah, fanjoy. Did, yeah. Did if the, she has yeah. anything to do with anything trey fanjoy yeah i'd love was, to get on my podcast sometime yeah um, exactly she uh she's a yeah. she directed several of our two or three or four or i can't remember how many yeah she's she's was really cool you know we uh that was a really fun video and uh it, it was the best well it was the only video that we did as the band i mean they did some other ones but they weren't near as good as that what trey did and we saw you guys out on the road as, yeah. as oh yeah uh, cowboy crush and i yeah. remember you came to the back of our bus and i've still got the recording of you <laughs> yeah. richie had his little keyboard set up back he there did. and yeah, hooked up to garage band an early version of garage band yeah and uh and uh, you started playing some stuff and i think he had like a, a hammond b3 set no no i'm sorry uh fender roads like a fender road sound, sound. Yeah. and then i just Hey, hey Richie, hit record, and I and you started playing. You go, hey, that sounds like uh, the thing from, uh, yeah, like ah. from the Odd Couple, and you yeah. started and doom, 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 and I said, hit record, Richie, yeah, yeah. I'm on yeah. a little dinky keyboard, so y'all excuse yeah, me it's on a this. Bit tinkly. But, but anyways, yeah, it anyway, was funny so that I you still, still have, have that. that. I still have that on my iTunes. It's like DNA in my <laughs> iTunes. No matter how many phones I've had through the past. And it's a blast from the iPods, past. It's still in there. It that just is, somehow gets transferred every time. Aw, and I love it. That is so sweet. So sometimes I'll put it on uh, random, like where it just plays random stuff on iTunes. And that'll come it'll up come on my up. car. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, and I put Cowboy Crush on there. I, oh, no, I did. did you do? Because I put oh, Cowboy Crush. Because I just was trying to name it something real quick. Oh, okay. And I remember you guys had played that yeah, day and everything. That was... That was yeah. very, very cool. But yeah. And back of the bus. Back, back, yeah, right. Back of the bus. And Richie, and Richie bus. played too, I think. Richie played uh, uh, keep. He played something. I can't remember. Might have been even all, I'm already there. Before. Oh, yeah. Because I asked he him would to warm play up something. and warm up his voice back there. And yeah. he had his little piano set up. And we had like the studio speakers and the whole. It was like it's, a little studio a back really there. It was really very cool. Really yeah. nice. Rolling studio. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyway, you were the Cowboy Crush days and then after that whole thing kind of blew up or Ooh. whatever yeah that was 2008 that's kind of yeah. when we when you and i got together and uh we did your mom's uh your late mom bless her yeah. heart uh her uh, lullabies, lullabies yeah. that she wrote herself mm-hmm. and that was a really that was 
it came at such an amazing time and for you to call me for that and serendipity and it's serendipity once again <laughs> yeah yeah it's like my big brother totally. over here keach yeah uh, brought me in to to do these wonderful songs that your mother had written and we just had kind of a little cassette tape or something a cd of just somebody playing piano from across yeah. the street or it something. was yeah so my mom had it. a collection of lullabies that she had written and sort of recorded in band in a box or something like that yeah <laughs> and she had it was just like the vocalist from across the street and somebody that she co-wrote with it was just like all over the place kind of thing yeah she asked me if i could mix it can you mix this and make it sound good we want to make an album out of it and maybe yeah. sell it and i thought and i was listening to it just going there's nothing i could do with this i yeah. just and you know i mean the songs are good but i said how about this i said i know somebody who's a good singer and keyboard player that could re-sing all these and we could re-record them and make it sort of a common thread through the whole make it like an album mm-hmm. and uh, so we did and that's when i reached out to you and yeah and it was really cool because when i was listening to us i said man some of these things that we could really you know they're kind of disney-esque you know i want to to put a lot of uh, strings and maybe flute and oboe and things behind that i I love that instrumentation i do that a lot when i record i love oboe and flute and and we got to play i mean it was just you and me yeah in your basement and yeah in the basement and Mm -hmm. also i got in my rv and i I needed to get this thing (laughs) done so you guys you were playing with neil mccoy up in we were in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You Wisconsin. drove to Wisconsin in your <laughs> RV. I said, is I mean, he crazy? <laughs> honestly, I had just bought that RV, and I was wanting to go on a road trip. I was wanting. Trip. I was like, yeah, I can go. Like Lone Star is not enough of a road so trip. So I used the lullaby CD as kind of an excuse to, to and it was in the wintertime, too. It was so in the wintertime. There was the, snow, outside. snow outside. It was and crazy. So I followed you. I went and met you up in Wisconsin. You came and We took my keyboard the, off the stage there. Right. We brought it into Got the it. RV, and we, we, we cut... <laughs> it was crazy. It was we, really fun, though. It, it was, was really fun. But we we did uh, all your mom's songs. I wrote one of the songs called Rockabye. Yeah. And then there was another song that, that we go? added. And that song came to you in a dream, right? Yeah, that did. Well, my mother was Irish. You know, she yeah, was oh, a, yeah. a McKelvey or Scotch Irish. Right. And so I thought, you know. This would be kind of, and at the time, you know, you had just had your daughter, uh-huh, I think, right. Am- Amelie, mm-hmm. and I, in 2008, had become a grandmother for the first time, wow. and my my grandson was born in January of 2008, so my gosh, it makes him almost 15 years old, he'll be 15 coming up, oh gonna be a freshman in high school, well, just like your daughter, yeah. she's turning 16, 16 right, holy month. cow, wow. and the cover of our album uh, was Amelie's yeah. face, the little baby face, I is know, so sweet. Face. I think I'm going to redo, the the good news about the lullaby CD is it's just been kind of sitting there, I haven't really had an outlet, but I've just uh, signed up for a thing called Bandcamp, oh, where you yeah. sell your own CD and you name your price and you oh, do your own album artwork and it's okay. just for more homemade kind yeah. of music. Yeah, and, um, I so love I've decided that for to your mom, on, yeah. get, her, get her music out yeah, there. And get stuff. it out there, it's a and great, great her. CD and it's for really, I sort of designed it for babies to... Uh, relax and go to sleep and so by the end of it it's like heartbeats and ocean waves and and this kind of thing and it just kind of fades out so slow hopefully by my goal was hopefully by then the baby would be asleep Asleep, and then it wouldn't be anything abrupt unless they put it on auto repeat yeah and then (laughs) Then all of a sudden it comes back in it comes back in your face again (laughs) yeah right but no but But hopefully by that time they're asleep yes right yeah so that was the idea (laughs) if we did our job yeah yeah Yeah. so and it's all very uh and i remember telling you uh i wanted like kind of toy sort of like baby friendly sort of sounds Mm -hmm. and you had little bells and little chimes and things like that that's what you did on the da 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 ting ting the little triangle it was great yeah and on triangle 
Keach yeah. Rainwater from and Moonstar. And we just, it was just fun. We just got in there and made some cool music. And, yeah, and yeah, honored your cool mom. And, and honored and, my mom. And honored your mom, and she, find, and she got to hear all of and that. And she wrote one of those songs called Nighty Night when she was 13 years old, when my cousin yeah. Jan was born. Oh, my She wrote that gosh. song. 13 years old. She had been writing songs that that early. Oh, my gosh. Life. And how old was she when we did that? Do you remember? 60, something like that. In her 60s? 60 or 62. Yeah. My gosh. She had to wait a long time. But yeah. We, but you uh, got it done. You're yeah. a good son. <laughs> well, thank you. You got it done. So you, uh, so Cowboy Crush. And then after we did the Lullaby CD, you were kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to find a gig. And then all of a sudden, a out of nowhere, Neil McCoy calls and needs a yeah, I mean, and, Neil had had this really, really great band. I mean, they really fit each other, you know, the band and, and Neil. Growing up with all the songs that he had and everything, uh, they were with him for 20 years. Right, yeah. And Neil, uh, wanted, he, he had called, well, I called him actually because I had done a video, um, the video with, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name from Saturday Night Live. Um uh, Billy's got his beer goggles on. Was the, was the name of the song, right. and uh, we, I was he didn't have a keyboard player for like a a couple of months or something like that, if I remember correctly. While I was with Cowboy Crush, and we were kind of off and on with just gigs here and there. We were just beginning with Cowboy Crush, and I said, "Yeah, Neil, I can come out and, and do a few shows with you." You know, so I did. And it just happened to be when he was going to do that. Billy's got his beer goggles video on. Video, oh. video, and we did that at the the Tin Roof in in Nashville. So you're in that video? I'm, oh yeah, I'm in oh, the playing my little know. red guitar back there. I have to look that. You up. have to look that video okay, up. Look yes, up. folks, but look up on YouTube. Neil McCoy. Billy's got Billy's his, got a beer goggle on. Look for the guitar. Go- look for way in the background. You're going to see a girl with a, <laughs> a black t-shirt on, a blonde girl with short hair playing a red guitar <laughs> next to a guy with a banjo. I don't know. Oh, it's it's country music, people. But uh, <laughs> but no, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Neil. Uh, he got me uh, in the. It, he he heard me and he thought, you know. I said, remember. I said, if this if he said, oh that girl band is not going anywhere. <laughs> That's what he told yeah, me. Right. He said that girl band is not going anywhere. He said, just remember, I got dibs on you. So he te- he sabotaged. The he, band. He, he he did it. He put the in. bad juju on us. That's what it's his fault. <laughs> no, but <laughs> no, but uh, he said he said yeah I got dibs on you. So when the whole cowboy crush thing kind of fell apart and the record deal ended for us in July of two thousand eight. Uh, I called Neil up first thing. I said, hey, remember you said you had dibs on me? <laughs> he said, really? And he said, he, he said he had just been thinking about letting this band go, the whole band. And yeah. he wanted me to be the band leader of this new band and put together a new band. Because he knew that with my perfect pitch, if you've ever seen Neil, Neil is like total like ADD, attention deficit. He is like like squirrel left and right. And when he does a show, and he does a lot of cover tunes, and they just come out of nowhere. And he wanted somebody that could jump from genre to genre like he does. Yeah. And I could do that. And he was said he wanted me to find people like me that yeah. could the whole band could do it, you know, with him. And he thought that would be the perfect band. Because so, didn't he want to do some sort of big band type stuff, the, the story well, I heard? Well, yes. Yeah, he, he was wanted wanting to, to some, throw it. He loves all the, uh, you know, American standards yeah. uh, songs. You know, and at you the don't time, his band, as good as they were, they, they really they weren't were, the band they for They were that. a country band, and yeah. they didn't want to play. I mean, they were fine with, you know, some of the uh, – 
you know the the rap thing that he does the hillbilly yeah. rap and, and fun stuff like that but they they didn't want to do uh or get very in depth with learning i think this is a story uh with the big band stuff because there's a lot of very intricate chords and stuff in that stuff and uh and they that just wasn't their gig they that's not what really what they signed on for and so neil was like i want people that are again are able to jump jump from genre from you know the shake and wink and yeah. hillbilly rap to you know nobody nobody uh, you don't know me or uh, yeah. songs of, uh, like that uh, or the wee small hours of the morning those kind of songs yeah. and he wanted to branch out a little bit which I thought was great it was a great idea because he's a great singer he really yeah. is a great singer and a great showman so I ended up in 2008 I ended up putting this uh, band together for him uh, it was in November I did all of the, the leg work in, in, in September and October and got everybody together, met with everybody at Starbucks, you know, oh, wow. you know our cool. coffee thing. You know, we have to have coffee and talk all with everybody. Right? All, all, all like separately, Everybody single? Everybody yeah. separately that, wow. that I got. That's a lot I, of work. Well, yeah, because I wanted to know the people. Because you know how important it is when you get people on, in a 45-foot space going down the road on a bus, you need to know that you're going to gel. It's not just about... It's, you know, this I've never heard it put better than Rick McClure when he told me with Trisha or what he said, you know, it, it's attitude over aptitude. It's how you treat people. You yeah. know, you could be the greatest player in the world, but if you're a jerk, nobody wants to be on the bus right. with you, you know, right? Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm going to use that mindset as band leader, and I'm going to meet these people, and I'm going to talk to them to kind of feel them out to see how yeah. what kind of people they are because there's no really reason to – you go through the audition process and have a big, this big cattle call, mm-hmm. you know, which we call it in Nashville when you have a bunch of people come into an audition. Yeah. I said, there's no reason to do it that way if we can kind of narrow it down a little bit. Yeah. So that's how I narrowed it down. You know, and when people came in, I, I had coffee. I let people rehearse. I, you know, I, it wasn't like, you know, we're just running you through here, you know, and, and we don't care. Uh, it was out of respect for each and every person that came in there because everybody that came audition had played for big, big artists, you know. So it's like, you know, who am I to, to you know, be over an overlord of some sort, you know. And I wanted it to, to be a family kind of thing from the from the get-go so when you put it together the they all got along well i mean yeah it seemed like, you, know, you know we really had a, a with each with other the folks that that i auditioned uh, that came through yeah i mean tommy nash ended up uh being our guitar player he he was somebody that was not in the auditions but neil knew him from texas and if you if you're a, a texas musician you know tommy nash he is a phenomenal yeah. guitar player and the sweetest person on earth so you know he just fit the bill all together and then uh daryl preston was the other guitar player that got it uh the other position it wasn't quite like <laughs> cowboys being a noah's ark up there but close right. But we had a really good band. Matter of fact, our drummer that we had, uh, Lester Estelle Jr., went on to play with, it still is, with Kelly Clarkson. Is that right? right? Now. Yeah. Phenomenal drummer. Is great, he the one I saw up in Wisconsin? Guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he absolutely. Really good. He's a phenomenal. You, you yeah. need, we need to get him on your podcast. I know, yeah. We need to talk right. to him and get him on this. That would absolutely. be real. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get him. But, but yeah, that's how all that worked with uh, putting Neil's band together. And so and you were with Neil for like 10 years for or something, For a decade, right? yeah. A and decade. what was crazy, wow. I started out in Nashville to begin with. So I was driving from Nashville to Longview, Texas, which is like far east Texas, almost Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, We're talking right. that far east. And so I was making that drive, you know, probably for 
a year and a half or two. And then I married uh, Mel Tillis's band leader and keyboard player, uh, and he lived in Branson. So I moved to Branson, and that was like seven and a half hours to drive. Every one, time bus one call One way yeah. to the bus. I had, for bus call, oh, I had to drive geez. seven and a half hours. And then, you know, once you came back, Neil had like a half a mile to drive, and everybody else had like, you know, an hour or an hour and a half to Dallas. You had seven. I had seven and a half hours. <laughs> and sometimes if we got back really, really oh late at night, then I'd just have to sleep on the bus again right. and then get up early the next so morning. So you lose pretty much almost well, a whole day. You do. Yeah. You, I lost a lot of time. And so that's kind of what ended up being the the nail in my coffin is I mean I was the very last person to leave of the people that I auditioned for that band I was the very last one uh, for ten, after 10 years and after seven and a half hours 14 well 15 hour round trip and the gas and every, the wear and tear I was like I just can't do this anymore I yeah. just really can't and so that's kind of pretty much what what ended that but it, yeah for yeah. 10 years you know we did we did a lot of shows we did a lot of uso and M- mwr mm-hmm. we, we did mwr shows with uh with mustang sally too the those uh, military guys like those all-girl bands oh yeah they <laughs> tend to like that they tend to like that a little bit so we we did a lot with that that was a lot of fun but but yeah but after uh neil that was 2018 so we're up to 2018 oh, and uh of course right. and uh i moved back to nashville in 2019 and that is right before covid hit yeah i right. was just beginning to get back on my feet again uh playing you were going for, through a divorce at I the was time going through a divorce like yeah it is the such as the music business unfortunately and uh i was going through that and uh patty loveless called me up and wanted to know if i was one of the first things i did after being back for two months she called me want to know if i would do uh just sing backup for her she was going to do this duo show with ricky skaggs and kentucky thunder at the cma theater at the country music hall of fame and i was like oh my gosh the first gig bag is that yes thank you lord you know for provision (laughs) and abundance and uh, i went and did that with her and it was just like oh i'm back thank you lord you know but then that was all that we did because patty's not really doing that much nowadays you know and of course kentucky thunder is all bluegrass when they don't really need a keyboard player so uh so yeah i i was still just kind of looking for things to do i'd I'd done some shows with leroy van dyke and uh country gold which is an amazing show if you get to ever go see that leroy's a wonderful wonderful 92 years young you would think he was like 50 the man is amazing um but he does the show he hosts the show he you know drives the truck with the trailer and it's amazing you know he signs signs afterward and he's voice his voice is amazing still and uh he has some of the best iconic country music stars from like connie smith to barbara fairchild the the gatlin brothers you know the malpass brothers he has dallas wayne from uh uh willie's roadhouse he's a He's a DJ and a phenomenal songwriter and and singer, and he he comes out. Then we have uh, Jimmy Fortune, uh, and T.G. Shepard and T. Uh, T. Graham Brown and all these different people. You get to play for all of these different artists. It's like an Opry on wheels, basically, and so much fun. So I I did a few shows and I'll be doing a, a show with them come in a couple of weeks, next week, as a matter of fact. You know, I just I'm thinking about somebody that's 92. That means that they were an adult in the 40s. Think about that. Yeah. They were like 20, almost 20 years old in the 1940s. And you know what he attributes that to? I've talked to him. We've had so many conversations. He and his wife, Gladys, will sit in the truck. And I I usually ride with them in the back seat. And it's it's so wonderful. It's like a 
a country music encyclopedia to listen to him talk about all the stories. And, you know, Patsy Cline, I, you know, I didn't think much about Patsy Cline. She was just another girl singer. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, right. my gosh. But, uh, you know, because she was brand new back then. You know, and then she turned into this icon. And George Jones, and he talks about Merle Haggard and, and just all these, and Hank Sr., blah, blah, blah. And all these different yeah. people. Blows your mind. And he says, you know, he says, I think, I think the reason I'm still here, he said, because I, I don't know what liquor tastes like. I've never had a drink in my right. life. I never smoked. I never did any drunks, drugs. And he said, he said, and that's he's, that's why I attribute myself to being here. The good Lord's just let me stay here this long. And that's why I think he is still in voice. Yeah. His voice is still good. And his, his mind is like a steel trap. Wow. And it's amazing. You know, I wouldn't be like Leroy when I grow up. It's wow. amazing. My mind is like a steel sieve. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. We were again? born the same. Oh, <laughs> Who are you? No. But we were born the same year, as a matter of we fact. We were, we're, yeah. We're, we're the same we? age. We're yeah. January of January 63. of sixty three. Right. Yeah. Hey. And I was born in June of sixty three. So Oh yeah, right. We okay. could have been Twinkies almost. Well, <laughs> right. well we're both blonde. Maybe it was a year of the blonde. Maybe it was a year know. of the blonde, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. We've been friends for a long time and we have. man, I just we you're have. just one of my favorite people in the whole world. Oh, God bless you. You are you are mine too. You're just like uh, like the brother that I never had. You really are. Yeah, yeah. Brothers and, uh, and sisters here, musicians. And we both appreciate each other's talent. And yeah, all that stuff. At, from the beginning, yeah. And you, a long time ago, now if, if you don't mind playing a song for me, maybe you can. we, we can end it with this um, oh, song. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll give you, it a you, shot. Yes, I know you haven't sang in a while. but <laughs> Well, I haven't uh, sang in a while, full voice. And I've been doing a lot of background vocals and stuff, but this, this song is real, you know, it, uh, that you're talking about. This was a song that came in 2008, as a matter of fact. It was it was after the Cowboy Crush thing, yeah. and I was very forlorn and, you know, depressed and all, and I was just down in the basement of this of our condo in, in, uh, in Nashville, and uh, this song just kind of came out of nowhere, and I got the first two verses and the choruses, and then it kind of got stuck. You know how you'll get stuck. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the music and the everything just came together at once. And I'm just sitting there, like, well, what is that? This is not. This is not over. And then it just hit me, what the last verse was, and I just broke down crying because I said, this is a Christian song. Yeah. This is not a country song, and this is straight from God. Obviously, I didn't write this, and. Uh, Interestingly enough, this song uh, it just got pitched to Amy Grant. Wow, is that right? It did. Now I'm, wow. you know, I'm not sure if anything will happen. I don't want to jinx it or anything. But Amy, if you're listening, <laughs> or Vince, if you're listening, be sure you get the song to Amy. But um, and I have to thank Lori Morgan for that because Lori listened to this song on the bus and she was crying, and wow. she said you need to give this song to so-and-so. And I said, well, can you do that? And she said, absolutely. So she immediately wow, sent it to great. them. So this may be so, Amy Grant's uh, uh, Well, you know, wouldn't it be funny know. full circle that I've always wanted to be Amy Grant? I loved her growing right. up. I went to her concerts. I, I wanted to be in contemporary Christian music. I, I wanted to, I loved Russ Taff and the Imperials and Dallas Home and Praise and Tim Shepard. And my sister and I, we listened to that all the time. And, wow. and, and went to see Amy Grant at Six Flags. And you know, it would be really. I bet you could sing like Amy Grant, oh, like no, no, if you no, wanted to well, nail her style baby, or whatever. Baby, baby, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I love Amy Grant. I do. And uh, so this is the the song is you're song. doing is called More, right? It's called Simply More. Simply More. Uh, now, when I did Simply More, or no, just, just More. It's just, it's called, just more. called More. And you can actually hear this song on my website, which is just BeckyPriestMusic.com, or you can go to my Facebook page. I mean, it's 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 there in its entirety. You don't have to pay for it or anything. I just want this song to get out there 
And uh, mind you, I'm playing on a really rinky-dink keyboard that I brought, and which uh, is really cool, by the way. Like she brought it, <laughs> she brought this keyboard in. It was probably maybe two feet wide or uh-huh. long, and you open it up out of the case, and it unfolds twice that length. <laughs> it and it's unfolds just like this to 88 keys. keys. Yeah, giant long. But it still sounds like thing. it's. It costs ten dollars. So if you, if you talk about a baby could, grand, it wow. is a baby grand, uh, <laughs> a plastic baby grand. Travel so baby grand. It's a travel. Okay, baby I'm going to put my microphone down here. To okay, we're going to try this and see how this works out. I hope, uh, but. Um, if you can, you know, listen through to the if to the end of the song because I, that's what I told Lori and anybody else that listens to the song. The it's the last part of the of, of the of the song that really brings it together. And I hope I can get through it. Most of the time, when I when I recorded this song, I have to give Ronnie Honeycutt props for this because Ronnie Honeycutt, uh, God bless him. At his studio in Goodlettsville, he was a good friend of mine, and he had a beautiful studio called Sound Dragon Studios, and he did this. He he recorded this for me for free, because uh, you know us musicians are always broke, and he recorded this for me back in 2008. And I, I just laid down the piano track first, and then I added strings, added oboe and flute, because I love that in there. You'll hear that if you hear the, re- the recording of it. And, and then it was time for me just to sing the vocal. So I sang to the tracks, and, and I got to that last part, and it, it just broke, it broke me. I almost didn't make it. And I got through the song, and I said, oh, man, I read, I, Ronnie, I need to redo that last part. He said, nope. Nope, nope, you're, you're not redoing it. He said, you can't do it any better than that. I said, no, but I, I almost broke up. He said, no. He said, that was so good. He said, I'm that's leaving. That's the money. That's the that's, money right no, there. He said, that's the money. And I said, okay, dude, as if, if you say so. It was just a one-take thing, and that's that's been the recording that I've played for everybody, and that's the one you'll hear on my website. So, this okay, is, again, well, this is called More. We'll take it out with this, and okay. this has been designated drummer, Keith Rainwater, and Becky Priest, and here it is.
There was a man known from the land 